Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. delay any further this morning. I am so excited for you because today we have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Mrs. Ohio, 2000, Mrs. Ohio America, excuse me, Mrs. Ohio America 2014 with us here today and I'm going to turn the microphone over to her and she's going to share her story and what God has laid on her heart. So won't you please welcome her to the stage, Mrs. Shaylin Ford. Thank you very much. First of all, let me say, that is so cool, hearing what you guys did at Halloween Fest, and I, I love that, and setting an example for your whole community and all the other churches. Way to be a leader, Simple Church, that's awesome. Also, um, you guys have a girl bass player, which is really cool. Where, are you over here? <laughs> Where'd she go? I can hardly tell. Yeah, I, that was awesome. I, I haven't played bass for a while. I do. But um, my, my last baby didn't like the weight of the bass on the belly, so I, I haven't picked it up since. Um, guys, thank you so much for letting me be here with you this morning. You have no idea how much of an honor this is for me. I'm, I'm so happy about it. Um, I love your pastor. I love your pastor's whole family. I mean, you guys know they're amazing people, right? <laughs> they're amazing people, so I am so happy that I got to that I uh, was invited to join you this morning, but I, I wanted to share um, a message that God laid on my heart a few months ago, and um, it's something I've shared once before, but I feel like it is so timely. I feel like it's something that he has given me for this season in life, and, and I really wanted to be able to share it with you too. Um, but first of all, I, leading into that, let's see, you guys have this screen over here. Do you have that first slide, that first picture I want to show you? Um, my, okay, most of you in here probably do not know my husband. My husband is a uh, pastor as well. Um, and he is, if you don't know him, he's this big guy with an even bigger personality. Um, he's, you know, a great fit with your pastor. They're, they have a lot of fun together, so that kind of gives you a feel for him. And um, he, he is driven, and he's like, if I had a dollar for every time during our marriage that, um, that I have heard him say, I have an idea, that phrase, I would be set for retirement. Like, he's just that guy. And if you know my daughter, she is all of that just shoved into one little package. She's seven, and she is just my husband in a little girl's body. So they bond over everything, and this in particular is their newest thing. They've gone through all the Rocky films together, right? And then he recently introduced her to this cinematic classic, which is The Karate Kid. We're talking about great acting, great hair, right? Like everything about it was perfect. Yeah, you can amen that. <laughs> and so, so they're bonding over this movie, and she just thinks it's like the coolest thing ever. And the great thing about this movie I'm sure a lot of you grew up watching this. Maybe you had it on VHS. Anybody had some VHS? And, like, your favorite movie, you popped it in the VCR. Maybe you played it so many times that it, like, got worn out in spots. Or, you know, the tape comes out. You have to, like, rewind it and put it back in. Uh, but this is her new favorite with him, and she loves it because it's just that great hero tale, right, where, you know, he, he comes back. He's been bullied. This 
there's these nasty kids from the local dojo and like they take them on and, and good prevails, right? And everything turns out right in the end. He gets the girl, the whole thing. Now for me, um, this was not my favorite movie growing up. I'll show you what my favorite movie growing up was. This was my favorite movie growing up. You can see where my daughter and I were different people at seven years old. But to me, this is kind of the girl version of that, right? Because at the end of the movie, after everything that's happened to her and how she's been done wrong and all the difficult things she's been through, she gets married to the prince. She has this amazing moment. She like looks like Grace Kelly on her wedding day. She's got birds carrying her veil and they drive off into the sunset and everything's perfect, right? So those are, those are my favorite movies, but um, we love these stories because we all want to believe in that happily ever after, right? And I, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but unfortunately, that is not reality. All right, what happens when our royal coach turns back into a pumpkin? What happens when we don't win the day, don't win the girl, the bully knocks you down and leaves you bleeding on the mat? And that's where you are. That's reality, unfortunately. So what I want to talk about what is what happens when happily ever after isn't happily ever after. So the title of the message that I am bringing to you this morning is called Broken. Because that's something that all of us have experienced at some point in our life. Maybe some of you are there right now, but brokenness is something that we have all encountered at some point. I want to bring this up. Um, if you can bring up Webster's Dictionary version or their definition of the word broken, it is reduced to fragments or fragmented ruptured, torn, fractured, not working properly, out of working order, fragmentary or incomplete, infringed upon or violated. At some point in our lives, we have felt what I have just described here. Maybe someone that you trusted has broken that trust and you feel infringed upon or violated. You lost someone that you love and you feel torn and fragmented and incomplete. Maybe you lost your job and you feel like you are out of working order, not working properly. You don't know where you're supposed to go next. We have all been in this state at some point in our lives. So the question is not if you will be broken. It is when and how. All right, and if you, if you are the type of people that take notes or, um, you know, you like to post on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or any of those kinds of things. These are um, the types of things that are easy for you to post and maybe get your friends um, interested in coming to Simple Church with you. Um, just some sort of little snippet from the message that is maybe going to be able to help you share your faith. So definitely feel free. I just wanted to mention that if at any point one of these types of things grabs you, definitely feel free to put that out there. And do you guys have a hashtag for your church? What is it? Do you know anybody? Surely. Come on, Kyle. Birthday girl. I'm pointing you out. <laughs> All right. Just hashtag simple church it. <laughs> just hashtag simple church on it and bring your friends. All right. So at some point in our lives, we have all felt what I just described to some degree, all right? We don't want to believe that, um, we want to believe that happily ever after does exist and that somebody has it, um, that out there, somebody's living that life with the Valencia filter on it, right? And like everything's perfect and never, nothing ever goes wrong for them. But that's not reality. We have all been here at some point. So the question is not if you will be broken, excuse me, not if you will be broken, but when and how. 
All right? There are two ways that we experience being broken. Things that have been brought to us and things that we have brought upon ourselves. All right? Things that have been brought to us, things that are of no fault of our own, um, things that other people have done you wrong and you have been broken that way. And there are things that we have brought upon ourselves by our own choices, our own actions, and they have broken us. They have left our life in disarray. Um, I want to start out right now, and I want to share with you the story of David because David is the perfect example in my mind of somebody who is both of these things. David has experienced being broken in both of these ways, things that were brought to him and things that he brought upon himself. See, it's easy for us to kind of separate the two, and, and we want to make one person a villain and one person a victim, but the reality is that most of us have done both of these. Let's be honest, all of us at some point in our lives, we've had this in both ways. It is not a clear-cut thing. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. And so other people's uh, wrongdoing or mistakes bring the pain to us, and sometimes we bring it upon ourselves. So let's start right now. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, or you got your Bible app, and you want to pull this up, I would highly recommend reading all of this yourself um, at some point. But uh, starting in Samuel, First uh, Samuel 16, I'm going to bring you the story of David a little bit, and we're going to start out when he's young. Um, if you've never been in church before, you've never grown up with this, um, most of you have heard the story of David and Goliath, right? So we're going to talk about that guy. We're going to talk about that David. Um, when he was young, he served Saul, who was the king of, I almost said the king of England. Yeah, totally not there. King of Israel at that point in time. Um, Saul, and it starts here and it says, Saul loved David very much. At this point, David was like Israel's favorite son. Saul loved him. Uh, David had killed Goliath. He had led uh, Saul's troops into battle repeatedly. Uh, he had won him multiple victories um, over longtime enemies. So he was very valuable to Saul at that point. Um, in fact, he actually became best friends with Saul's son, Jonathan, and they were very, very close. Um, he ended up marrying Saul's daughter, um, so their lives were very, very interconnected. And you would think that for those reasons that Saul would just be crazy about David and that he would, they would never have any kind of a rift in their relationship. David, all he cared about was honoring Saul and uh, bringing more glory to him as the king. But unfortunately, um, Saul got jealous of his success. At one point, um, as you read through the scripture, you see that they're coming home from battle and people start chanting that Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And that's all it takes. And it sets off this jealousy in Saul and it, it gets to the point where um, it grows and grows to where Saul tries to kill David multiple times, not just once, multiple times. Um, again, I encourage you to go and read through all of this yourself because it's like better than any action movie you're ever going to watch. Um, and here's the amazing thing is that even when he had opportunities for revenge, uh, he never took them. David never jumped on those things. He always respected Saul. He would never disrespect him. Um, he did whatever it took. He eventually got to a place in his life where he lost everything. Um, he was living in a cave. His wife was given to someone else. Um, Jonathan ended up being killed because of all of this conflict between his father and David. And yet through all of that, David refused to disrespect Saul. He refused to take revenge or even to defend himself. 
Um, it's, it's really a, an amazing story. Um, he did everything right, and yet life still kept hammering away at David just over and over again. And it was brought to him by Saul. He did nothing to deserve that. He did everything right. Um, in fact, the Bible talks about a time where Saul was tortured, basically was in a, in a place of depression, and a lot of people think he was mentally ill. And David would come and play the harp for him. And at one point, um, Saul picks up a spear and hurls it at David and almost kills him. And believe it or not, David still comes back. It happens a second time. Now, I don't know about y'all, but, like, I'm not a good enough friend that after you've thrown a spear at me the first time that I'm going to come back and play my heart for you anymore. Like, I'm just out. I'm just out. I'm not there anymore. But that's how loyal David was. And yet life still kept hammering away at him. And it just keep, kept breaking him to the point that he had absolutely nothing left. And his life was in pieces. And he was at a crossroads. He had to make the decision, what was he going to do with these pieces of his life? I, I brought this with me this morning because I feel like this is just, see if I can do this right-handed, I'm a lefty. Maybe I should switch hands, is that safer? Um, <laughs> but he came to a point where his life was kind of like this pot, and, and we all want our life to be like this, where it's whole, it's incomplete, it's not broken. We feel like something can grow out of our life, something good can come from it. And then out of nowhere, something comes along, and we didn't see it coming, and we're just left with these pieces, and we're no way to put it back together in our own power. It's so confusing, and we, we don't understand how God could have let us get to a point like this where this is all we have to show for who we are, and we feel like there's just never any way to put this all back together. So let's talk for a second about, let's jump forward in the life of David, all right? So let's fast forward a few years. David is at a crossroads. He chose to do the right thing in that scenario with Saul, even when it was so difficult and, and he was so attacked by Saul and he, he felt so broken and hopeless. He chose to make the right decision and not retaliate. And now, fast forward, life has completely turned around for David. If you move forward, Saul is dead, and David is now king. Life has turned around. David is in charge of Israel. Things are going well. And um, he, he has been so blessed by God for his faithfulness. Now we see where it goes from things that have been brought to us to things that we have brought upon ourselves. So let's follow this for a minute. Um, this, it, the Bible starts out in this section of his story. It says it's the time of year when the kings led their armies to war. So, like, it was just the thing, apparently. Like, it's spring. Let's all go to war. Um, but that's what they did. It was the time of year when kings would go to war. But Saul, or David sent his men out without him. He didn't go. The next thing you see is that it says David didn't go to war with his army. The Bible says he got up from his midday rest and went for a walk on the palace roof. Personally, I'm, I'm kind of liking his daily schedule so far. That sounds good to me. I could go for that. Um, can I get an amen on that, like midday rest? I've got three little kids. My youngest is eight months. There's nothing better to me than a nap right now, right? Nothing more godly. Went for a walk on the palace roof. Um, and the next thing it says, he saw a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Her name was Bathsheba. This is where he has his first choice to make. 
All right, he can just go, whoa, shouldn't have saw that. Walk the other way, but he doesn't do it. It says he sends for her, has her brought to, the ca- brought to his palace. That's his first wrong choice. When she gets there, he finds out she's married, okay? Choice number two, this is where he can turn around and go, well, you know, all right, not, not a single lady, got a ring on it, like send her home. He doesn't do it. He takes her to bed with him. So he keeps Bathsheba around. Then he sends her home. Even after he finds out he, she's married, he sleeps with her, and then he sends her home. A few weeks later, she comes to him. She sends him a message, and she says, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. And by the way, my husband is at war. My husband Uriah is at war, so I think we both know whose baby this is. All right, now he has another choice. You would think that it's time for him to go, oh, my gosh, I've totally screwed this up. It's time for me to make it right. i got to come clean but he doesn't do it. He just digs himself a deeper hole. This is where we are in our lives, where we take the hammer to our own life. This isn't somebody else's doing. This is what we're doing to ourselves. This is where David's going decision after decision after decision that are further fragmenting his own life and making it difficult for him to ever be put back together again. He takes the next step And he realizes that now he has to cover his tracks. So he calls her husband home from war, pretends like he just wants a message from the front lines, asks him to the palace, tells him to share about what's going on, and then he says, you know what, why don't you just go home for the night? Before you go back out to the battlefield with the men, go home, rest, be with your wife. Well, Uriah's got too much character for that. He's the opposite of David in this situation. He chooses instead to go sleep at the palace gate because he says, I can't go back out to the field uh, or I can't go home and and rest and relax and spend time with my wife when I know everybody else is out there suffering. So I I can't do that to my men. I'm going to sleep at the palace gate. David's desperate. He even tries another night. He brings Uriah back and gets him drunk, just hoping this guy is going to go home. And he still doesn't do it. So now David's got another choice. And he chooses to make the wrong one again. David sends Uriah back out to the front lines of the battle. He sends him out, and he tells the leader of his army, Joab, I want you to put Uriah on the front lines, and when the battle gets heated, I want everybody else to pull back. You go from a place where you have been described by the Bible as a man after God's own heart to now to the point where because of your mistakes and because of the choices you have made, You're plotting another man's murder to cover your own tracks. How does that happen? It's because we're all broken people. We're all capable of things like that. I am capable of things like that. It's ugly, and we we don't want to admit it, but sometimes we do this to ourselves. It it gets to the point where David is so callous that um, he, he sends him out, he, find, he gets word from his, the leader of his army that Uriah is dead, and, and he just says, ah, well, tell them not to be discouraged. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. Then David takes Bathsheba to be his wife, and she has a son. But here's where this stuff all comes back. We can't ever trick ourselves into thinking that we can just take the hammer to the pot and not have these broken pieces. The prophet Nathan comes to him, and he tells him a story about a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man steals the only thing that the poor man has. He has this little lamb that he treasures, and it's the only thing, and the man sleeps with it and keeps it in his home, and the rich man takes it and kills it. 
and, and it cooks it for dinner for a guest. And David is just blown away, and he says, who is this man? I, I need to punish him. He should have everything taken from him. And Nathan says, you are that man, David. You are that man. You have done this. And, and that's the moment where David's eyes are finally opened, and he realizes what he's done. Um, and Nathan tells him, you're that man, and because of your sin, your baby will die. The son that you've had with Bathsheba will die. This is where David is just crushed. He's realizing what he's done. Not only has he destroyed his own life, he's taken, he, his eyes are open to the fact that he's taken Bathsheba and he's taken everything of value from her life and stripped it away. He took her husband, he took her dignity, and now her son is gone because of the choices that he made. He's realizing the implications for his kingdom and, and his people and what he's done and, and the ripple effects, and he is absolutely overwhelmed. You want to talk about heartbroken. All right, but here's where, here's where things turn around, and this is what I love about this, is that nothing is ever broken forever, all right? Um, it, in our own humanity, in our own brokenness, we cannot put ourselves back together. So whether this has been brought to you or brought, uh, brought upon you yourself, either way, I want you to know when you're in a place of brokenness, what's next? What do you do with these shattered pieces is you have to ask yourself this right here. How do you rebuild a broken life? Your brokenness can lead you. I don't think I gave this to them, and I'm sorry. Your brokenness can lead you to bitterness or growth. This is where you have a choice. What happens next with all of this? Your, and, and you may want to write this one down and just remember it. I know for me, this is, this is a message that God gave to me very personally. This line in particular, your brokenness can lead you to bitterness or growth. This is where you have a choice in things. All right, let me share, I'll share a moment of my story. Um, around the time that my son Hudson was born, um, he just turned four now, he's my middle child. Around that time, um, my parents ended up getting divorced. I grew up in a, a Christian home. Divorce was like not even a word in our vocabulary. It was not on the table. Um, in the, the last few weeks that were leading up to uh, my son Hudson being born, I remember I kept having these conversations with my mom that were increasingly weird to me, and I, I couldn't understand what she was talking about and where she was going. And I remember having this moment where I sat down with my husband, Greg, and I said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think my mom has found somebody else. I, like, I couldn't even wrap my brain around that. My parents had been married almost 30 years, and, and unfortunately, it was true. My mom ended up leaving my dad and um, moving to Florida, total upheaval in our family um, within days of my son being born. So I was an emotional and hormonal, like, roller coaster wreck. And you, um, you know, I, I've talked to people whose parents have been divorced when they were a little kid or when they were an adult, I don't know that one is harder than the other. It's just different. The way that you experience the pain as a kid, you would think as an adult it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but um, it kind of pulls the rug out from under everything that you thought you knew was solid um, and that you had built your foundation upon. So it was a really, it was a major blow for me, and I, I, had, to, um, I had to walk through a lot. I was really in a pr place of brokenness. Um, there was a lot of deceit. There were a lot of bad things that had gone on and I felt very confused and I was angry and I was hurt and I was here. I was here and I, I didn't know what to do with this. 
Um, you know, this is where it comes back to that whole one person is not a victim, one person is not a villain because there are wonderful things about my mother and yet at this time it was hard for me to even see that, see anything else about her and, and I just felt so lost. Um, but I'll tell you, because I chose to ask myself that question, I spent time kind of peeling back the onion, the layers of my pain and my anger and um, it opened my eyes to some things where I was breaking other people and I didn't know it. I was the one bringing pain to somebody else. I thought it was all about what was bring, being brought to me, but I, it opened my eyes and, and I asked God that question. I don't want to be in a place of bitterness. I want to be in a place of growth. I want to trust you with this. What do I need to do next? And he opened my eyes and he showed me things that needed to change in my heart. I couldn't be rebuilt. I couldn't have this put back together until I allowed him to change things in me. Um, and so over that, I'll tell you the good things that came out of that. God improved my own marriage. We've always had a pretty good marriage. I've been married 11, almost 12 years now. But um, he revealed some areas where it could be better and where I was doing things to my husband that were unfair, and I didn't even know it. Um, it made me a better mom. It made me more committed. It made me a better leader. It gave me a sympathy and a compassion for people that are going through a difficult time um, who have maybe been through divorce, and I, I couldn't connect with them before because I had never experienced anything like that. You know, you feel sorry for somebody, but you don't really know it. Now I knew what that pain in your family feels like, and so I was able to connect to them. It changed so much about me, and, I, and it grew me, and it prepared me for what God had next. Um, at this point, um, this is when I was ready for what God had next for me because I allowed it to cause growth in me. And I'll tell you what came next um, was the Mrs. Ohio thing. I would not have been ready for that if I had not allowed God to walk me through that. I know, you know, maybe to some people, like the whole pageant thing sounds stupid, but the reason that I even decided to pursue it was because I felt like God had directly laid it on my heart, that it was something I was supposed to do, that he was going to use it as a platform for me to be able to share things that were important to me and that were important to him. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go for this. Like, this is not my thing, but um, I'm going to go for it and, and just give it my best effort. And I will tell you, I was definitely the most shocked person on the stage that night when they called my name. I think you could see in that picture, and, and that's probably the most flattering because every other picture of me, I'm like, you know, I have this weird, awful look on my face because I just kept going, what, what? I don't, I didn't think this could be right. Um, but it was, it was in God's plan for me, and he gave me that platform. Then when I went to Mrs. America after that, um, the most amazing thing came out of that, and it was not getting to walk on that stage, all right? Um, I will tell you, at that point, I was actually about halfway through my pregnancy with my very surprised third son, and uh, nobody plans on, you know, wearing an evening gown with, with a bump. It's not, not my favorite, but, um, but you know what? The most amazing thing that came out of that was I met this other group of women at Mrs. America who were representing other states, and they all were amazing Christian women who were so passionate and how we got to spend like 10 days together talking and sharing our faith and sharing our journey. And out of that, um, we, were, we all were talking about how God had laid on our heart at some point in our lives over the years um, about having a ministry specifically directed towards women in need. 
And every single one of us had felt God tell us, wait. He gave us this vision, but he told us, wait, it's not time. It's not time. And it was so frustrating. I'll tell you, for me, I felt it for like eight years. God telling you to wait for something for eight years is like waiting for Christmas for eight years. It's killer. And I couldn't understand why he was telling me to wait. And I realize now that it was, he was telling me to wait until I met these women. There are um, 12 of us now that run a ministry together. It's called Our Life Songs. And um, each one of us brings one particular part to that ministry that God has gifted us in. Everyone, it's something different. And on our own, we could not have put this together um, and, and had the scale of success that it has already had in reaching out to women in times of need. But because he put us all together as one, 10 women from 10 different parts of the country who never would have met each other if they wouldn't have been obedient to that call and let God grow them through some really difficult times. We're now able to have this really powerful ministry together. I wouldn't have been ready for this if that, if I had not allowed God to grow me and, and change me and pull some things out of me through that tough time. Um, well, and my computer just died on me. Woohoo! All right. Um, I don't need it anyway. Um, so I'll tell you something recently that has happened in our life. Um, I, I also want to share with you that God uh, never promised you that after you go through this um, and you rebuild and you trust him and you find that place of growth that you will never be broken again. Um, the lights will not always be green. You will have things like this come in your life again and again and again, time and time again through your life, and it's all about how you handle it, how you allow him to put you back together in a way that is a unique vessel. Yes, there may be lines, but you will be whole again, and you will be able to minister to others in a time of need. For me, something recently that we've gone through as a family, um, actually the day before our last baby was born, our son Hudson, um, who is now four, was diagnosed with autism, um, and that was an unbelievably difficult time for us as a family. Um, we love that little guy. He's awesome. You, he's back there today. You can get a chance to meet him. He's so much fun, and he's such a ray of sunshine. But it was, it was devastating. We didn't know where to go with that. And, and that was something that was just brought to us, and we didn't know how to handle it. But I will tell you that if it hadn't been for the way that I had allowed God to grow me through those pre previous times of brokenness and those those previous times of pain, I would not be prepared to handle that the way that he has prepared me now. I would not be the mom for him that I need to be. I wouldn't be the wife that I need to be, and my husband and I would not be the team we need to be to be there for him together if we had not allowed God to take these pieces and help us to move forward. All right. So, um, yeah, you, you can celebrate. Those are amazing things that God has done. Um, Dang it, there were a couple other scriptures on here, and I, I think, did I give these to you, the psalm? Yes, there we go. Um, the first one I want to give you is for the people. I want to give you a couple scriptures to hold on to. These are really, really good, to, no matter what scenario you're in. This first one is for people who are in a place where you are brokenhearted right now, and this has been brought to you. This is through no fault of your own. Maybe you found out recently that um, your spouse has been unfaithful to you. Maybe you have issues with someone and you know they are never going to come to you for forgiveness. Um, they're never going to ask you for forgiveness. Maybe they can't. Maybe they're gone now and they can't even tell you 
that they're sorry, and you just have to deal with that somehow. Um, maybe you're in a place where, you know, you've lost your job, or you've gotten a devastating um, piece of news in your life, and you're broken, and you don't know what to do with these pieces next. I love this scripture. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He will never leave you here. He will never leave you in this place. If you choose to give him your emotions, your pain, your brokenness, he can take you not he can take you from a place of bitterness and pain and he can bring growth and he can bring healing in your life. The next one is for people who maybe you have brought something on yourself. People I've been here recently, real moment of honesty. There have been things that I have brought upon myself where I have not handled situations well and I have had to look myself in the mirror and go, could have done that better. You hurt somebody with that, or, or you handled it wrong, or um, you know you didn't really honor God with the way that you did that. Maybe it's an addiction that you've dealt with, and it's been crushing your life, or maybe you've been the one that have said hurtful things, and you've, um, you've laid into people and caused them wounds. Maybe you're at a place now where you are so broken that the thought of waking up and facing these pieces tomorrow is just not worth it and you've wondered what it would feel like to just not have to deal with it anymore. No matter where you are, these pieces can be put back together. You can be made whole again. And if you have brought this upon yourself, it's, it's not a life sentence. You can be redeemed. And Psalm 51:17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart of God. If you want God to put those pieces in your life back together, he will not leave you here. You don't have to do penance for the rest of your life for things you've done wrong. Bring him your broken and repentant heart, and he can rebuild you and bring you to a place of growth. All right, there's one more thing that I wanted to share with you, and you know what? Um, Let's show the video first. Do you guys have that video up there? I want to show you this video real quick. Some of these are women that I'm part of our Life Songs ministry with. Some of these are other women um, that have been through some uh, amazing things as well. But I want to share this with you real quick.
love them. Let me tell you, church, there is absolutely no wound he cannot heal. There is no brokenness in your life that he cannot reassemble. And let me tell you one more thing before I, I close this out in prayer today. There's one more scripture I want to pull up. This right here, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. I live by this. This is so amazing because here's the best part about this. It's not just when you are healed and when you are whole and put back together, but it's a way that you can pass it on and you can minister to others. It says, um, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. He's going to make you whole, and he's going to give you a purpose moving forward. He's going to take what was broken, and he's going to use it to not just bless your life, but to use you to bless others. It is a beautiful thing. Guys, if you need Jesus this morning to be in your life in a difficult place right now, where you feel like this is where you are, you're just a pile of pieces, and you don't know what to do next, know that he can put you back together. Know that there are people in this church who love you, who want to be here for you. Seek out the pastor. Seek out other people who you know are leaders in this church. Just find somebody next to you. I don't care. Find somebody and open up and be honest to them about your brokenness. Allow that verse to be true in this church. Comfort each other with the comfort that Jesus has given you. If you are in a place where you can minister to others, reach out. If you are in a place of brokenness, let someone in. Let them help you. If you're in a place in your life right now where you don't even know who Jesus is and you don't know how this whole Christian thing works, but you know that you're here and you know that you need something, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. And let's, let's say a prayer. Jesus, there are people in this room that may need you this morning in, in all kinds of different ways. Lord, I just ask that for those of us who have maybe never had a relationship with you before and we don't know where to start, that this would be that morning. It, people, if you need Jesus this morning in your heart, I just ask that you would pray along with me. Jesus, please come into my life. Change things. Change my heart. Help me to become a follower of you and, and be someone who wants to be like you. Take my broken pieces, God. For all of us, let's all pray this morning. Jesus, please take the broken pieces of my heart. Know me inside and out. The Bible says, search me and know my heart, oh God. And I just, I pray that this morning, that we would allow you to take our bitterness and to eradicate that in our heart and bring us to a place of growth. Bring us to a place of healing. Help us to trust you with our pain so that you can peel it back and reveal something new and beautiful in our hearts. Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we had to come together this morning and spend time in your presence. I just ask that this word would be able to sink into our hearts, help us to trust you on a continual basis, that when we feel lost, we can come back to your word and the things that we heard, and we'll be able to use those to carry us forward. I thank you, Jesus.